I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the TD Nutrition Podcast. It has been a long time since the last episode, and I feel like the last couple episodes that I recorded before this, I said the same thing in the intro, and um, I just haven't been able to dedicate as much time to my podcast as I'd like. Um, You know, seeing clients, working on my private community, and doing stuff on social media, trying to film content for my YouTube channel. It's like all these other avenues have kind of taken my attention. And so now I'm like, all right, it's time to dedicate some time to my podcast again. Um, So I'm excited to do another episode and I'm excited for today's topic. Today we're gonna be talking about birth control and all of the things that your doctor does not tell you. Um, I've wanted to do this topic for a while. I've hinted at it um, to a lot of my followers on social media. I think I've hinted at it in other episodes. I know the episode I did on PCOS, we touched on birth control a little bit, and I did point out that I wanted to do another episode, a full-length episode. Um, So that's what today's episode is all about. And it's a long one, so hang in there. There's a lot of information. Um, And really, it's only a fraction of information that is out there. So I do encourage you, um, at the end, I'm going to talk about some resources. And I encourage you to check out those uh, couple resources that I'll mention. And um, yeah, just, you know, like anything, no need to get overwhelmed. If you've been on birth control, don't beat yourself up about it. If you're on birth control, maybe take this as a sign to to stop taking it. And some of it's also just really fascinating, learning about um, women's biology and how we as women are wired. It's it's very fascinating. Um, And I just, I think it's so cool. And I learned a little bit about some of these studies that I'm gonna talk about today um, in psychology in undergrad. And I remember being fascinated at the time with them. Um, So, now to kind of read about it as it pertains to hormonal birth control specifically is is just really really cool um so yeah let's let's jump right in so birth control is kind of like a rite of passage these days for young girls you know um it's like you know are you are you sexually active all right let's put you on birth control and typically that was really the only reason why you were given birth control um but now I say it's a rite of passage because it's almost like, oh, you have acne? Here's birth control. Your periods are painful? Here's birth control. Oh, you have irregular periods? Here's birth control. Oh, your periods are heavy? Here you go, birth control. And it's like, can that really be right? That birth control can help with all of those different things effectively without any harm? Um, It just, to me, doesn't seem logical. never seemed logical, even when I didn't really have an explanation as to why. Um, But it's almost like as soon as a girl becomes a teenager, it's like doctors just want to figure out how, you know, to put them on birth control. And and that's not the case for everybody, but I feel like it's the case more often than not, um, which is really unfortunate. Um, And I also don't think doctors are fully aware of all of the things that birth control does to our bodies. And again, that's why I'm doing this episode. Um, and again, I think there's just this view of like, what symptom do you have that we can slap a bandaid over it, um, using birth control. Um, and, and are girls really being informed of all of the potential side effects and harms that the pill can do? I, I don't think so. Clients that I've worked with who were on it didn't know of a lot of the harms and side effects that it could have. I mean, heck, I've never been on hormonal birth control, but I didn't even know. Um, a lot of these harms, but I think it's it's more remarkable when someone is actually taking it and they're unaware. Um, and you probably didn't know that there's hardly any long-term research done on how birth control affects women's bodies and brains. Um, I bet that is surprising. Birth control has been around for a long time. You would think that there's long-term research to see how it affects the body and brain of a woman, but there's really not. It's very minimal. 
And physicians often prescribe birth control because they don't know any other option to treat various symptoms and because they do receive a financial kickback when they prescribe birth control. And, and this is common, you know, doctors don't often, you know, solve a problem with, with a symptom or an illness. It's like, oh, we're just gonna manage it. They never figure out how can we get to the root cause fix that so then you're not struggling with this anymore. It's it's more management than resolution. And, and again, birth control is just another way to manage things. Um, birth control affects every single thing in our body. As uh, Sarah Hill, PhD, she is the author of This Is Your Brain on Birth Control. Uh, she puts it that birth control affects everything from our head to our toes, every function in our body is changed when we are on birth control, which you may not have known. Birth control messes with who we're attracted to, who's attracted to us. It, you know, messes with love, sex, and marriage as well. And so it really can play a role in relationships and you may not even be aware of that. Um, so we're gonna discuss a lot of things. We are gonna discuss uh, Sarah Hill's book, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control, and other surprising things about birth control. And at the end, I'll talk about a better alternative for contraception. Um, and again, I'm not gonna cover everything in her book, um, but I am gonna cover a lot of like big takeaways that I thought were really important. Uh, I encourage you to read her book. It's great. Um, and I was really waiting for this book to come out so I could read it and then incorporate that all of that evidence and research into my podcast um, and so now I was finally able able to do that um, so let's talk about the dangers of birth control so birth control it stops ovulation you may not have known that um, so we have a cycle there's different phases of our cycle um, when we are ovulating this is our follicular phase and when you're on birth control you again you don't have this phase you're not ovulating um, we do need to ovulate we are designed to ovulate every month so ovulating is when you release an egg a viable egg and if sperm is present it would fertilize that egg um, birth control stops that um, and as a result our uterus will double in size when we are not ovulating, which is not healthy. We don't want that. That is unusual. Um, and again, when we're stopping a natural process that our body is designed to do, and that's not healthy. Um, and also when we ovulate, um, our estrogen rises during the time in which we ovulate, our fertile window of the month. Um, and you that's a good thing. You want the estrogen to rise. Um, during ovulation, as a result of estrogen rising, this is the time of the month that we, we feel our best, um, and it leads us to wanting more sex at that time. And so women on birth control, they're not ovulating, so they're not experiencing this cycle each month of feeling their best um, and you know wanting more sex at one period or, or another. Um, and so during ovulation, we typically, we feel prettier, we feel more flirty, uh, there are physical things that happen to us that make us more attractive. So there's actually physical things that change that men find more attractive. Um, and this is because reproduction, like I mentioned, requires sperm being present at the same time that the egg is released. Um, and we can only get pregnant during a 24 hour window in which the egg is released and viable. However, sperm can live in the body for up to five days. So we are technically fertile for six days out of the month. Um, and again, just because you're ovulating doesn't mean that like, you know, you have to get pregnant. Obviously you have to take steps to prevent that from happening, but I'm just explaining what the, you know, the actual process is. So let's talk a little bit more about birth control and attraction. Um, and this again is, is so fascinating. So physical changes um, that increase men's attraction to us also increases the chance for sex to occur during the fertile window, right? So there is a biological reason in which we would have these physical changes, right? You know, our biology is designed to reproduce. That's, you know, that's kind of how we are wired. Whether or not you do or not, that doesn't matter. It's just, again, I'm talking about how we are wired. Um, and so, 
therefore our bodies would do things to increase the chance of that happening and that's going to happen through physical changes to increase men's attraction to us or our partner's attraction to us and studies have found that when women are at peak fertility during the month they tend to wear more makeup they feel sexier and will as a result wear sexier clothes um, they will buy sexier clothes at that time of the month um, the, they will overall put more effort into their appearance during this time um, our natural pheromones change during our fertile window and studies have found that women um, at their um, during their fertile window they smell better and sexier to men than not during that fertile window um, and they conducted a study and had men you know smell t-shirts that women had worn listen to voice recordings of women of women who were ovulating and women who weren't ovulating and every time the women who were ovulating were the ones that they rated as being more attractive which is super fascinating um, our voice changes when we are fertile and a study found that men ranked um, oh I kind of touched on this make ranked women's voices who were ovulating as more attractive than women's voices who are not ovulating um, another study found that women's faces who were photographed during their fertile window men ranked those photos of women as more attractive than photos of women that were taken during their non-fertile phase so that's even crazy too that our our facial facial features change a little bit and again these things are so subtle that we're not even aware half the time that they're happening it's almost kind of this subconscious thing but what's crazy is that we can actually are like we can conduct studies that prove these subconscious things are actually happening um, which is so crazy um, and and so all in ways uh, during our fertile window all these things change and men perceive as you know these things as more attractive and and this like I said this is a form of a um, this is from biologic a biological standpoint to increase our chances of having sex um, so by appearing more attractive and smelling more attractive and sounding more attractive that's going to increase the chance for having sex which increases the chance of sperm being present when the fertile egg is released when you take birth control and you aren't ovulating you don't get this monthly emotional high uh, these changes are not observed in women who are on hormonal birth control um, and so that's something to take into consideration if you've been on birth control for a really really long time you've never experienced this period and I'm not saying like that you have to experience this necessarily for for you know for male attraction per se but as someone who's never been on hormonal birth control and has now like researched a lot and I track my cycle and I, I know when I ovulate and I and I will often think too like wow I feel really good today um, what am I doing and I'm like oh that's because I'm ovulating this week that's why I feel really good so it's kind of just cool to experience that like again this is like a natural process of our body and when you're on hormonal birth control you're tamping that down and again it's really nice to go through that na that natural cycle that our body is designed to do um, there was another study that even found that women who were on birth control they chose men with significantly less masculine faces than women who were not on birth control um, and so hormones do affect what features in men we are attracted to um, and biologically women are wired to pick men with more masculine features um, because that deems them to be a good mate and so when you're not on hormonal birth control um, your bio biological wiring is able to do its job and you will pick a mate with a more masculine face versus if you're on birth control and you pick your partner you will most likely pick a partner that doesn't have as many masculine features again there's something wrong with that but it's just a cool finding um, that we've found of the difference between men or women on birth control and women not on birth control um, birth control is also bad for our metabolic health um, this includes obesity insulin resistance type 2 diabetes liver disease hypertension stroke and heart disease so taking birth control on, on on top of already having one of those issues this may make matters even worse for you but it also puts birth control also puts you more at risk for developing one of those issues um, and studies have found um, that birth control also uh, raises your triglycerides 
Um, and there's even some evidence that shows an increased risk for insulin sensitivity. Um, so birth control really messes with lots of other um, physiological functions in the body. Another issue um, that birth control contributes to is birth control causes inflammation in the body and can even cause PCOS. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. So birth control, it drives inflammation in women. And this is why birth control is associated with many autoimmune disorders. And this includes Crohn's disease, lupus, and inter, um, inter, I can never say intercidial cystitis. I butchered that, but that's okay. Um, and so if you have, if you started birth control and then you developed an autoimmune disorder or one of these other, you know, diseases, maybe stop birth control and see if those issues go away. Birth control can even worsen PCOS symptoms in women, which is interesting because a lot of women are prescribed birth control when they are diagnosed with PCOS um, and this is not helping you. In a, there was a, a randomized placebo-controlled trial and researchers prescribed women with PCOS either lifestyle modification alone or they were prescribed birth control. Both these interventions did reduce androgen levels, but only the group of women taking birth control saw an increase in their inflammation. And so that's very significant. Um, so birth control is increasing inflammation, which if there's too much inflammation, your body's not gonna be able to heal from anything. So if you have PCOS, do not let any doctor tell you that birth control will help because it certainly won't. Uh, Sarah Hill explains in her book that prolonged exposure to inflammation from being on birth control is bad for the body. It contributes to a host of nasty outcomes like DNA damage, cell death, tissue degeneration, and premature aging. It can also cause problems like fatigue, depression, chronic pain, and memory impairment and increase the risk of developing cancer, Alzheimer's, and autoimmune diseases. So again, then that's for prolonged exposure um, or prolonged exposure to inflammation from being on birth control for a long period of time. Again, if you're on birth control for like a year or something, that, that probably won't happen. But if you've been on it for a long time, something to consider. Um, birth control depletes our body of nutrients, um, and this has actually been a concern since at least the 1970s. Um, the deficiencies include vitamins B12 or B2, B6, B9, which is folic acid, B12, um, vitamin C, vitamin E. Um, depletions of magnesium, selenium, and zinc have also been identified as nutrients nutrients of concern. And what's so interesting is less than 2% of women are advised to check their nutrient levels while they're on birth control. And this is crazy. If we know that birth control causes nutritional deficiencies, shouldn't doctors be checking the nutrient levels of any woman who is on birth control? Like, shouldn't that just be protocol? Like, okay, you're starting birth control. Um, before you start, we're gonna do some labs and see where your levels are of all these vitamins and minerals just so we have a baseline and then we'll recheck every six months or once a year or something like that. But I have talked to a lot of my clients and that has never come up with their gynecologist or their doctor who has prescribed them birth control, which I think is very shocking. Birth control and mental health. This has been actually a really big topic of conversation recently because um, more evidence is coming out on how it truly does affect our mental health. Um, and so women on birth control are at a higher risk of developing anxiety and or depression. One of the best studies conducted to date included 1,061,997 women. Um, the researchers found that women who took birth control were more likely to go on antidepressants at a later date. That is a huge sample size. Over a million women were, were sampled and found that they were more likely to then be on antidepressants later. Um, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about this more when we talk about Sarah Hill's book. Um, the Danish Psychiatric Cent Central Research Register which keeps track of all of Danish citizens' data in regards to health. And so this actually makes it a perfect database for researchers to get good data. And researchers found from that database that women who were on hormonal contraceptives were 50% more likely to be diagnosed with depression six months later compared to women who were not prescribed hormonal birth contraceptives, which is crazy. 
They also found that women who were on hormonal contraceptives were 40% more likely to be prescribed an antidepressant than were women who were not prescribed hormonal contraceptives. So because of the influence of hormonal signaling from hormonal birth control, it has a much more devastating effect on girls ages 15 to 19 because their brains are not yet done developing and hormones play such a crucial role in brain development and then to add synthetic hormones to the mix is a recipe for disaster. A study followed women for six years and found that women were three times as likely to commit suicide if they were on hormonal birth control. And the biggest age group for that risk was ages 15 to 19. So if you are on hormonal birth control and you're between the ages of 15 to 19, you are three times as likely to commit suicide um, being on birth control because of the fact that it does mess with, again, our mental function. Our bra- Your brains are still developing at that age and hormones, synthetic hormones are interfering with the natural hormone processes that are supposed to be playing a role in brain development. Um, And so one has to do with the effects of the pill on depression and suicide risk, both of which are much higher for adolescent women ages 15 to 19 than women 20 or older. Um, Again, women 20 or older still may experience depression and other mental health issues on birth control Um, on hormonal birth control and obviously that like I said um, you know you're 50% more likely to be diagnosed with depression six months later and 40% more likely to be prescribed an antidepressant so you know the age doesn't have a factor so much in the depression aspect but with the suicide aspect age does seem to play a factor so you know if you have kids if you have daughters you know try to delay them being on birth control as long as you possibly can or again look for other other ways um, to either again if the birth control is for some type of symptom that they're wanting to control find the root cause if it's to protect themselves if they're sexually active you know maybe figure out a more natural solution to that Um, the next danger of birth control is birth control and blood clotting. The link link between deep blood clotting and birth control has been well studied. According to a Danish study, women who used vaginal rings um, had a 6.5 times increased risk of a deep uh, vein thrombosis. Uh, For women using contraceptive patches, the increased risk was 7.5 times higher. Um, And PCOS is associated with an increased risk of blood clotting, um, yet another reason why women with PCOS should not be on birth control. So um, those two um, numbers that I just pointed out was for a vaginal ring and for um, patches. But for hormonal birth control in general, there is an increased risk for blood clots and PCOS already puts you at an increased risk for blood clotting. So why would you then take something that is going to increase that risk even more? Um, so if you ask me, you should not be on birth control at all if you have PCOS. And why aren't doctors talking about this with patients? Um, most don't realize that either. Um, you know, another thing I'll point out about myself is I have factor five, which is a hereditary blood clotting disorder. My grandmother had it, my mom has it, and I have it. And because of that, I cannot take any oral hormone. Um, I can't, I, I could never take birth control. Uh, hormonal birth control so I couldn't do a hormonal IUD not the pill nothing Um, so I did for eight years I had the copper IUD I'm going to talk about my journey with birth control in a part two Um, but I just want to touch on the factor five aspect and that is because I am already at a higher risk for a blood clot that I was not able to take hormonal birth control which at the time I was very frustrated but now that I'm older I'm like wow that was a blessing in disguise I am so happy about that so yeah So now let's talk a little bit more about birth control and PCOS. A 2019 study suggested that birth control may make PCOS worse and contribute to the development of chronic conditions such as obesity, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. Um, And so again, it shouldn't be surprising that I'm saying that birth control may make PCOS worse because um, we talked about inflammation 
um, and that study regarding you know women with PCOS who were on birth control that their inflammation increased and then as I just mentioned um, PCOS is associated with a risk of increased blood clotting and birth control increases your risk for a blood clot so it shouldn't be too surprising that another study suggested that birth control makes PCOS worse um, and birth control masks the symptoms of PCOS. Hormonal birth control does not address the underlying cause of PCOS. Um, the synthetic forms of estrogen and progesterone used in birth control force um, a monthly bleed, um, but they're also switching off ovulation, which is um, you know, healthy and natural. And when there's no ovulation, it's also turning off natural hormone regulation. And this kind of Band-Aid solution can give you a false sense of security. Even though you, you have a quote-unquote regular period, your health and fertility can continue to deteriorate without you even being aware of it, which is really kind of scary. And this is another point that I didn't mention when we talked about ovulation a little bit ago, but when you are on hormonal birth control, I did say that you don't ovulate, but that might have been confusing because you might be thinking, well, I'm getting a period, so I don't understand. You're getting a withdrawal bleed when you bleed on birth control. Um, the only way that you actually bleed is if you have released an egg um, when you ovulated. If you did not ovulate, you technically would not bleed. But with birth control, you have a withdrawal bleed. Um, and so, you know, you may think that you're having, like I said, a quote unquote regular period, but you're really not because you're not, it's not really a period. Um, it's what they call a withdrawal bleed. So we're going to switch gears a little bit now, and we're going to talk about the book, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control by Sarah Hill. And um, I already touched on some points that she made in the book already, but now we're going to go and talk about some other things that she discusses in the book um, that we haven't talked about yet. And there might be a little bit of overlap as well, um, but again, it doesn't really hurt to reiterate. So... I do highly recommend reading the book because there really is so much information in it and it's really too much for me to like cover it all in a podcast. I mean, it's a lengthy book. Um, and like I said, I'm going to touch on some points and concepts that I found significant and fascinating, but really you should check out the book for yourself. Uh, your hormones, so she really, she really stresses that your hormones are a key part of what makes you you, what makes you unique. You are quite literally your hormones. And when you change your hormones, which is what hormonal contraceptives do, you change the version of yourself that your brain creates. Um, and so this is huge. You know, if you haven't been on hormonal birth control for some time and then you know who you are and then you start birth control, you're going to start becoming a different version of you. Um, and you may not like that version of you. Biology is at the heart of literally everything we do. And I kind of touched a little bit on biology, how, you know, it's not really fully in our control. It just has to do with our wiring. Um, biology is what we feel, what we are. And when you disrupt your biology with hormones that your body doesn't want, problems will inevitably rise. And like I mentioned in the intro, birth control messes with attraction, love, sex, and marriage. Birth control leads women's brains to believe that they are living in a stimulating world that lacks the promise of exciting new possibilities and challenges. Um, so uh, the best way to explain this is women who have transitioned off the pill have described it feeling something like, quote, it's climbing um, it's like climbing off the page of a book and coming into life. So you just don't quite feel like your life is that vibrant. Um, you know, you feel like, okay, I'm living in the world, but there's just no excitement of, of, of something new. Um, and again, a lot of times women don't notice it until after they've come off and then they've described what that feeling is like. Birth control causes a blunted stress response and the effect that it might have on women is that it may dysregulate our immune systems, which increases a woman's risk of developing autoimmunity. And we talked a little bit about that earlier, how birth control does increase your risk for autoimmunity, and they, they're pretty sure that it is due to a blunted stress response. Um, and that's a result of part of our brain being turned off due to the hormones. Um, and so here's a little more about why birth control is bad for mental health um 
And the pill increases a person's risk for depression by making pleasure less pleasurable. Research finds that pill-taking women have a blunted positive emotional response to happy things and that they don't experience activity in the reward centers of their brain when looking at pictures of their romantic partners. Um, So things that normally cause the brain to feel pleasure doesn't happen to women taking the pill. So, you know, you have a set of women who are on birth control, a set of women who are not on birth control, and they're shown photos of their partners or their husbands. And there should be, you know, and they're obviously hooked up to wires so that they can see activity of what's going on in their brains. And so you should theoretically see activity in the reward center of your brain when you look at a photo of your romantic partner. Again, there's something that makes you happy. And in the woman not taking birth control, that part of the brain lit up. In the woman who were taking, who were on birth control, that part of the brain did not light up. And so when you're living in this world where you don't feel pleasure, like you're not feeling thing, you're not feeling happiness from things that you're doing or real deep happiness, you inevitably are going to develop depression, right? Because you're not getting immense joy from anything in your life. And, and I mean, even just thinking about that, doesn't that sound like a very depressing reality to like be living in the world, but you don't get this opportunity to feel true joy? Um, I think that that's, um, you know, really, really disheartening. And, and again, if you're on birth control and you've been on it for a while, get off and see if the world seems brighter and happier to you. Birth control also changes how our digestive system works, what our microbiome looks like, how our immune system functions, what our other endocrine organs do, how our metabolism operates, and what goes on in our heads. The effects of the pill echo throughout women's bodies from head to toes in ways that can mean big changes for the version of themselves that their brain creates. And so she, Sarah Hill in the book, she describes an experience that she had when she came off the pill. When she would drive in her car like to and from work, she used to listen to Um, or she was listening to podcasts a lot and then she had decided to come off birth control because she was going to start trying to have kids and she noticed that she wanted to listen to music when she got in the car that she like really wanted to have music on and she's like oh my gosh I realized that before I went on birth control I loved to listen to music in the car I loved having music on in the car and then when she went on the pill music wasn't really a sense of joy or anything so she just got into podcasts and again there's nothing wrong with listening to podcasts in the car but she she noticed that for her own experience she used to like to listen to music in the car and then she didn't Um, and once she got off birth control she enjoyed it again and she had forgotten that she enjoyed it and it's little things like that that you may not notice have changed about you until you get off birth control Um, and so that's just something to keep your eyes open for if there is something that you used to really enjoy that you're not enjoying anymore and you are on the pill consider getting off of it research um, has there, there is some research that shows that the pill can offer um, a huge mood stabilizer uh, or be a huge mood stabilizer to women who have severe pms um, and why is that it's because it stops ovulation so you know, it's only putting a Band-Aid on the PMS. It doesn't solve why you have severe PMS. And if you want to get to the root cause of your PMS, birth control is not the answer. Um, and I used to have I used to have um, PMS really bad as well. And when I cleaned up my diet and I started eating better, my PMS went away. So again, there's also a very strong nutritional correlation with women's hormones. And if you're eating clean and you're, you know... Again, eating a lot of fruit. Fruit is amazing for women's hormones and women's reproductive health. Um, So if you're eating lots of fruits, that should help with your PMS. But if you're eating foods that have lots of preservatives and additives and things, of course your PMS is going to be awful. When women go on the pill, which changes who they are and what they do, the pill by changing women has the ability to have cascading effects on everyone and everything a woman encounters so the pill changes who we are and what we do and we don't realize it but that has effects on everyone who encounters us 
and everything that we encounter. It ha- I mean, it affects our partners. I mean, we know it impacts attraction. Um, and, you know, maybe you met your partner um, and you weren't on the pill and then you started the pill after having met your partner and then, you know, things feel different. Um, and so therefore it's impacting your partner as well. So these are things to think about how it's not just affecting you, your body, your brain, but it does affect people around us. Um, she also discusses in the book how natural selection has wired men's brains to be inspired to do things that women value. So, so this part that she discusses is actually very fascinating. I'll say that again. Natural selection has wired men's brains to be inspired to do things that we women um, value. Men's achievement is tied to women's standards for sexual partners in a way that women's is not. And what's really crazy is there is evidence that shows that men are now achieving a lot less than they used to. The research indicates that because women are on birth control and are more willing to have casual sex than men, um, or are willing to have casual sex, that men now don't have to achieve things that women value in order to have sex. Which is really interesting, um, right? Like on some level, it's cool. Birth control gives women this freedom to be able to have sex and not worry about getting pregnant. Therefore, women are now more willing to have casual sex. And so men don't have to work as hard to um, make that happen versus like, you know, if women are less willing to have casual sex and they are going to have certain standards in order to sleep with somebody, men are going to have to do things that the woman finds finds valuable. And so... You know, that's such a small concept, but it really is having huge impacts on men's achievements as a whole in society, which you might find kind of silly, like, oh, how is like that small thing really impacting men that much? But it really, really is. Um, And again, this is why I recommend reading the book because she goes into so much detail about it. And I thought that that part was really fascinating. So when she points out how Um, the pill will have cascading effects on everyone around us and everything like it really is impacting men in a in in a weird way that we didn't really think would happen and you know now that women you know are much more you know probable to have careers of their own and provide for themselves they don't need men in the same way and and that's great Um, but I think you know It's important to keep in mind our biology and our wiring and men are wired to be providers. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we as women, we can't provide for ourselves. But like men and women really are designed to be complements of each other, kind of this yin and this yang. Um, And, you know, that's the government didn't design us that way. No single person designed us that way. Nature designed it that way. So we can't really be mad that that's the way nature has us wired. And so I do, I think that now that men aren't necessarily needed as much as they once were at a point in time, that it it really is impacting them like as a whole. And again, that's not to say that it's like that this applies to everybody. It's just what the research is showing. Um, kind of for a general consensus that doesn't mean that there's not exceptions to the rule and of course that doesn't mean that there's not exceptions where you know as a woman you're like well I don't want a man to provide for me I don't you know that's okay I mean you don't have to want that but generally speaking um that's not how you know women and men are wired um and so that's just what this portion of the book was talking about and I thought it was just very very cool and She also then kind of goes on to stress that there's so much research that has yet to be done on the long-term effects of birth control on women and their bodies and brains, and we just don't have it yet, um, and we need to be aware of that. And, And since research, a lot of research, has a very high failure rate, for every like cool discovery that a researcher does make, there's like a number of failed experiments in which, you know, these same huge investments of time money and effort were made on something that ended up being like silly and worthless and so these results they don't get published and so if if a scientist wants to avoid getting fired they need to run like a shitload of studies and they'll work like insane number of hours in the lab just to have enough things that kind of work for publication so when you're going to conduct a study you want to kind of conduct something that you think is 
is going to be promising that you're going to get some results that are going to be willing to be published. Otherwise, if you don't think that you're going to get results that are going to work to be published, you probably won't waste your time. And so you're kind of in a way taking a gamble, having to like bet on something that you know is going to work out, even though it's like, well, I would really love to run this study because if it worked out, that would be really cool. But if you don't, you know, if you don't only think it's going to work out, you might not do that because again, you don't want to lose your job. So there's a lot that goes on behind, um, you know, doing research on various topics. Um, so she says in the name of the game in research science, uh, in research science is running as many studies as you can and doing it as quickly and cheaply as possible. Um, which makes sense. But you know, then when you're trying to run studies so quickly and so cheaply, then it's like, you know, the results end up being cheap. And so there is a trade-off there. And, you know, like there really should be a study that follows women for, you know, a long time to see if like birth control has an impact on women's lifespans. There's there's not a study about that, but that would be a very expensive study because you'd have to be like, okay, we're going to follow, you know, women from the time they start birth control until, you know, we'll follow them for 50 plus years or whatever. And that takes a lot of resources. And so it's very hard to do a study like that. Um, and again, like she mentioned, there's just really very little long-term studies and Obviously, to see one that if it shortens our life and why, that would be a very great study. But again, that probably is not one that will be done anytime soon. All right. So this topic that she discusses in the book, which I found very, very fascinating, she talks about steroids and she compares them to hormonal birth control. Um, And I just thought that it was a very, very great comparison. So you're probably aware that anabolic steroids are illegal without a prescription. You can get a prescription for them, but if you don't, they are illegal. Um, And anabolic steroids are classified as a Schedule III controlled substance. And if you're caught with them, you're looking at a $1,000 fine and up to a year in prison. So you don't want to take anabolic steroids unless you have a prescription. And steroids, because they stimulate hormone receptors, They have a wide range of effects on men's bodies and brains. Um, And when taken over long periods of time, these changes can be bad for men's health. Given that men might want to take them anyways, which we know men do, steroids are now illegal without a prescription in an attempt to discourage steroid use um, in the service of of public health, right? So it's like, all right, we know steroids, they're harming men's health, they could be dangerous, Um, So we want to make sure that they're a controlled substance, that you can't just get steroids. You can't just be taking steroids without a prescription. So, you know, they're illegal. And so we we worry about men using these artificial sex hormones, a.k.a. steroids, um, because of all the effects that they have on their body and all the harm that they cause on their body. But then yet at the exact same time, Women are routinely prescribed female sex hormones and kept on them for years at a time, despite all the effects that they have on the body. And we just don't know that much about the effects of long-term birth control use in the brain, again, and in the bodies. And there's not enough research out there on what long-term pill use means for women's brains. Um, And yet, you know, society is perfectly fine routinely prescribing this for women, not really caring about the effect that it does have on the body. And granted, like I said, we don't know much about the long-term effects, but we do know a lot about the short-term effects and it doesn't look good. I, you know, I've laid it all out here. And yet society is like, oh, well, we're going to make steroids illegal because it's bad for men's health if they take in. But oh, it's okay. Women can take birth control, even though it seems to harm their health and it harms their mental health and changes all of these things about their body, but it's okay. And it's just a really funny double standard in my opinion. Um, And I just, I kind of laughed about that when I read it. Um, So very, very interesting. And I think we should all be cautious about the pill and being on it continually for huge spans of time. It is not a safe thing. If you've been on it for years, take a break. Again, most people who take a break end up realizing how much, better off they are and how much better they feel without it. And so 
Even though we don't yet know what the pill does, the research suggests that it probably has a hand in women's mate preferences, our sensitivities to smells, our relationship satisfaction, the functioning of our stress response, the activities of multiple neurotransmitter systems, the activities of multiple hormones, our moods, our persistence in difficult tasks, our ability to learn and remember, and our sex drive. So, so many things are impacted in the brain. Um, Some of those I had already mentioned, but the ones that I hadn't brought up yet was um, activities of our neurotransmitter systems that I haven't talked about. So, you know, that's wiring in the brain, basically. Um, You know, it affects our ability to learn and remember things, um, our moods, which we kind of knew, and then our persistence and difficult tasks. So those are all kind of things that maybe you wouldn't think have had an impact, but they do. Um, They are affected by birth control. And um, also our relationship satisfaction. We've talked about relationships and mate preferences, but we didn't really talk about relationship satisfaction. And so in the book, she gives a little example of someone um, that she knew who was on birth control when they met their husband, got married, and then got off birth control after getting married because, again, they wanted to have kids. And when she got off birth control she did not feel happy in her relationship um and she ended up filing for divorce and like again that doesn't happen in every case like and she does point that out in the book that this it does not happen to everybody but it does seem that there is a pattern of women who are on birth control from the time they meet they start dating someone through getting married and they don't even get off of it until they are ready to have kids and they start to realize that there's like something missing in the relationship um and I mean, it you know it could be different things, but um, you know if you want to just take just what I laid out in the podcast, maybe it's that oh your attraction is different now because you're not on these hormones. Um, and so in the book, she her advice is if you are going to be getting married and you have not been off of birth control since meeting the partner that you're going to get married, that you should get off of it before getting married just to see how your relationship is when you're not on any type of hormones affecting your brain. Um, And then this way, you know, you can make a little bit more of an informed decision to know how you are in that relationship with that particular person, both on and off the pill. And I I thought that that was very good advice um, because when you do, when you start to think about how it really is impacting all of these processes in our body, all these processes in the brain, how it really could affect you know your relationship your marriage and so I I I thought that that was something that was really important to share that make sure that when you're with your partner you have a period of time not on birth control to make sure you're with the right person Um, she also points out that our sex hormones influence billions of cells throughout our bodies including a huge number of them in the brain meaning that the effects of the pill on women um, is likely to echo throughout their bodies from head to toe. I said that in the intro. I wanted to say it again because, again, we have billions and billions of cells in our body and the, and sex hormones influence everything. From the moment that we are conceived in the womb, our sex hormones influence everything. Um, you know, from conception is the time that we know if we are male or female and if you're an XY chromosome or an XX chromosome, and that tells, it's this instructions for the hormones in the body to then carry out what it needs to do. So from the moment that we are conceived, everything in our body is operating according to our sex hormones. And when we are taking a synthetic hormone, it is impacting all of those billions of cells. And it's really quite, crazy when you start to think about it and so that's why I I am just like you shouldn't be taking synthetic hormones I do feel so strongly about that I I felt strongly about it I feel even more strongly about it now after reading this book um, because it really put things into perspective Um, and the the last point from the book and it's kind of reiterating what I've been saying but you are a different person on the birth control pill than you are when you're off the pill and that is so important to keep in mind. Um, I have seen it with clients. They get off the pill and it's not even, and I guess some, some, some of the changes they don't even, are, they're not even aware of and I, and I will point them out. Um, and it's like, oh, you know, I, 
I took up a new hobby and it's actually been really fun. I never thought I would be interested in something like this. And I had to say, well, do you think it's because you were on birth control for so long that it just never occurred to you that you would enjoy doing this? And she was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. And so it's little things like that. Like even if you get off the pill, you may not realize that it was the pill. I mean, you might now after listening to this podcast, because again, if you didn't realize all of the ways that that birth control was changing your mind, um, you might not have thought twice about it. But now that you've listened to my podcast and if you get off the pill, you might now be more aware with your interests and your actions and you 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 should be able to realize that, oh, it's because I'm I'm off birth control that I'm able to enjoy this new activity. So the last topic we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about a natural alternative um, to hormonal birth control. Um, So you may be thinking like, well, you know, there's really no other options. You might be thinking of the copper IUD. Um, And I am going to do, like I said, I'm going to do a part two. I'm going to share my um, experience with birth control. Like I said, I didn't do hormonal birth control, but I did have the copper IUD, the Paragard for eight years. So I'm going to talk about that in the next episode. Um, So aside from that option, because that option does have its downside as well, um, there is natural cycles. Um, You may have heard of it. You may have not. Natural cycles is an FDA approved birth control app. Um, obviously anything that's FDA approved or not FDA approved, I mean, you take it with a grain of salt, but what's great about natural cycles being FDA approved is that they do take insurance. It's, um, you have to pay $99 a year to use it, but they do accept insurance. So I think that that's great. I think it's great, you know, that they were able to be FDA approved for that purpose alone. I think that's awesome. Um, and it, natural cycles is 98% effective with perfect use. Um, with typical use, it's 93% effective. But perfect use would be you are logging your temperature every single day. That's considered perfect use. And it's once you get into the routine of it, it's really not that hard. Um, hormonal birth control is a little less than 99% effective. So they're very close to the same in effectiveness. And so natural cycles, it looks at your basal body temperature. So you measure your temperature every morning upon waking up. So before you get out of bed, before you do anything, you wake up and you take your temperature and you do that every morning. Um, It takes a bit to get into the swing of it, but once you do, you don't really think much about it. I've been using um, natural cycles for over a year now, a year and a half. And our hormones cause body temperature to rise around ovulation. So by analyzing um, our temperature, the app's algorithm can pinpoint where you are in your cycle. And your so your cycle starts on the first day of your period. And most of us aren't fertile at this time. So the app will say, okay, you have green days and green days are your non-fertile days. Um, so if you were to have sex, unprotected sex on a green day, you know, you're, you're not fertile, you won't get pregnant. And then as ovulation approaches and you enter your fertile window, the algorithm will give you red days Um, Because now there's a risk of pregnancy. And so it'll tell you to abstain from sex during this time or use protection, you know, like a condom. Um, And after ovulation, our temperatures rise and you're no longer fertile. And so the algorithm will then give you green days once again. And the amount of green days you get will increase over time as the algorithm gets to know your cycle better and better. Um, So like theoretically, you would end up having um, six red days and the rest green days, um, you know, once it figures out everything for certain, um, the more you use it, the more it knows your body. It does take time um, for it to get to know your cycle. Uh, I had a friend that was using it and she ended up stopped using it because she's like, it just kept telling me I was supposed to get my period and I wasn't getting it. It, it When it's getting to know you and it's figuring out your cycle, it's going to say like things like it's going to say you're getting your period and you may not get it that day, but it's like trying to make predictions Um, And so you just have to make sure that you're logging your temperature. And when you do bleed or spot that you log that, um, it takes time for the algorithm to figure out um, your temperature and again, your your cycle and all of that. So bear with it. Um, It might take a few months for it to figure that out. But once it does, it really is, it's so worth it. Um, I didn't think that I was going to like it as much as I do. Um, I thought, you know, I would have a lot of, reservation and doubt about it but I I don't I I mean it's it it is accurate um 
and it gives you little updates and it also educates you with with information throughout which is very cool but it'll update you about your cycle and stuff and I recently got an update saying that like my cycle is like clockwork um and that it literally is very predictable now and and again everyone's cycle may not be clockwork because you know if your hormones aren't balanced if you're not eating healthy and that kind of thing it might not be as predictable but um you know, if you're getting off of birth control and you want to do natural cycles, I would encourage you to look at your nutrition and support your body through nutrition as much as possible. Um, you know, whether you work with me or someone else or you do it on your own, but that is a huge, a huge factor um, in making everything more predictable. Um, so keep that in mind. But it's very, very much worth using it Again, it's hormone-free, so you're not going to have all those crazy side effects. You'll get to experience um, what ovulation feels like, what that time of the month feels like, because again, it is much more pleasant than the time on your period. Um, when, Like I said, estrogen's high, and again, you typically feel better, you feel healthier, you look healthier at the fertile window and everything. And, and so I think that that's incentive enough to... Um, get off hormonal birth control and what's really cool is like once you learn about all the things that happen during your ovulation and then when you're using natural cycles and it tells you you're ovulating it's neat to see to kind of like analyze your behaviors and look at what you're doing and be like oh that's so funny like it's because I'm ovulating and I've like since I've been using natural cycles it's been fun for me to look at that and just notice that like, yeah, my clothing choices are different around that time. And the way I'm feeling is different around that time. I am feeling more flirtatious around that time. It's really, it's really funny, um, but it's very fascinating. And again, it's, it's biology and biology is a very fascinating and beautiful thing. Um, you know, nature is incredible. And all of this is just how nature has designed the woman's body to be and I don't think that we should be suppressing it. It's a natural process. I think we should be embracing um, the natural process of being a woman. So on that note, I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope that you learned something from today's podcast. Um, and I hope it inspired you to get off birth control if you are taking hormonal birth control. Um, and I did say I was going to point out two resources. So obviously the first resource would be the book, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control, How the Pill Changes Everything by Sarah E. Hill. And the other resource is a documentary called The Business of Birth Control. Um, and I believe you could look them up on Instagram. Their handle is The Business of Birth Control, or you can go to thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com, I believe it is. And you can rent the documentary through there. It's not on any streaming service yet, but it is... It is worth renting. It is worth watching. Um, and I hope, you know, I hope you do. I hope, you know, you expand your knowledge on this topic. It is, it's such an important, important topic, I think, um, because young girls are blind, like blindly go on it, not realizing what they may be compromising um, for their health down the road. Um, and again, parents don't even really know that either. So they don't know to ask the, their, you know, daughter's doctor these questions. Or again, if you are, um, of college age, like I didn't even think about getting on birth control until I was 20. Um, and I went and had an appointment, scheduled an appointment and got the birth control. And that was when my grandmother said, Taylor, you can't take hormonal birth control. You have factor five. Like, don't and again I didn't even think about that I didn't know it was a I didn't know that I couldn't and luckily she brought that to my attention before I started taking it um I always tend to um I confided in my grandmother a lot um before she passed away um usually things that I didn't want to tell my mom if I knew my mom would be mad I'd usually go to my grandma and you know get her advice or whatever so I had I had confided in her that I was going to start birth control and then yeah she told me that I should not that that was a very bad idea and that I needed to you know um wait till I again I was away at college and so I just saw some random gynecologist but she's like you need to see your gynecologist at home and, and talk to her about it and you know see what your options are so I'm I am so thankful that I did confide in her that information because had I not I would have started birth control and 
and who knows? I mean, eventually it would have, you know, I probably my mom would have found out or she would have found out and they would have had me stop taking it. But, you know, what if I got a blood clot in the meantime or something? So I, I think back to that moment a lot. And I'm I'm so thankful that she told me not to do it um, because now I can, you know, I have never put synthetic hormones into my body at all. Um, and I'm I'm very happy for that, especially reading all the research that I have now. And again, if that's not your story, that's okay. But it's, you know, you can, it's never too late to stop taking them. And that really, I think, is the biggest takeaway from today. So thank you for listening. Um, I look forward to coming back for a part two and sharing more about my journey um, with birth control and me ultimately getting the, the copper IUD. So as always... Uh, Thanks for listening, and if you ever want to reach out and work with me one-on-one, feel free to send me an email at tdnutritioncoaching at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.